Welcome to Gringo's Eternal Family's podcast. Gringo's Eternal Family is a ministry with a purpose of being God's love to the 99 and the 1. You can visit our website and check out our blog post at gringoseternalfamily.com for more content. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's episode. Thank you. Welcome Eternal Family. How is everyone doing? I hope you are still excited about the series on the Gospel of Christ Jesus because today we are moving forward in the series. Today we will be answering the question, what is salvation and why is it important? So I'd like us to start today by praying. Okay, so let us pray. Holy Spirit, we say thank you for this opportunity, privilege, and grace to gather and learn of the gospel of Christ Jesus. We ask that you open our eyes to see beyond the words and letters and open our ears to fully hear what you're saying to us. Soften our hearts to receive and understand your teachings. We ask that you, we will not just understand it, but we will abide in it, practice it, and run swiftly with it and believe in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So today we're just going to get right into it. Um, so what is salvation? Salvation simply means the process of being saved, being delivered, or redeemed. Specifically, salvation in regards to um, a Christian refers to being saved from sin and its penalty of death by faith and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why is salvation important and why should I get saved? Roll with me, okay? We're going to find out as we go through today's episode. The book of Romans is a must read for every Christian. In fact, the old Bible is a must read for every Christian. But I really want to appeal to you to read the book of Romans. You will definitely thank me later. I love it. Okay, so let's just look at the book of Romans really briefly. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 to 5. Paul says... This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news, the gospel. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news, which is the gospel, is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the book of Romans let us know that the significance of salvation, which is the message of the good news. Paul begins this book by letting us know that the good news is about Jesus Christ, as we just read. It tells us that the good news is the power of God that is able to bring salvation to everyone who believes. This is Romans 1 verse 16. And he also tells us that the good news also reveals God's faithful righteousness. God always does what is right. He is just and he is faithful to fulfill all his promise. The gospel shows that God has been faithful and righteous. You see, God has been faithful, righteous, and awesome. But we humans, we haven't been so. We've been bad. So bad. Like, so, so bad. (laughs) We have sinned. All sorts of sins, such as idolatry, gossips, homosexuality, adultery, lying, ungratefulness. We have dishonored God and exchanged the truth about Him 
for a lie. All of mankind was trapped in sin and guilty before the righteous judge. All of mankind, but Jews and Gentiles alike, was sinful. Nobody was righteous. The Jews thought they were perfect. You know, they thought they had, because they had the written laws of good, they thought they were sinless because all they had to do was follow those laws, but they just couldn't even follow those laws to the optimum. They considered the Gentiles to be sinful people and they judged them. But the Jews were just as bad as the Gentiles, desperate having the laws, and the Gentiles didn't. But not having the laws did not give the Gentiles the, the right or the excuse for sinning or not knowing any better. So we're going to read Romans chapter 2, verse 12 to 29. Um, there's a lot of emphasis added in this. Okay, so it says, The Gentiles who sinned without the law will perish without the Lord. And the Jews who sinned within the law will perish within the Lord. For it is not by hearing that someone becomes righteous, it is by doing what the law commands. So even the Gentiles that do not have the law naturally obey the law sometimes because the law is written in their heart. They must not have the written law, but they have a conscience, and their conscience lets them know right from wrong. So no excuses. Whether a Jew or a Gentile, all have sinned with or without the law, and all will perish with or without it. If the Jews still think they're better off than the Gentiles, they ought to know that they are not. The gentle, the Jews, I mean, who rely on the law and boast in God because they have the laws and consider themselves a guide for the blinds, which is the Gentiles, an instructor for the foolish, the Gentiles, they actually preach what they do not live. The Jews continue to scream and preach about circumcision, but it is useless. For circumcision is only useful and has value if only we truly observe the law. But when the Jews break the law, what exactly is their difference between you and the uncircumcised Gentiles? Nothing, just some unkept laws and cut flesh. So tell me, if the uncircumcised Gentiles keep the law requirements unknowingly, is that not enough to treat them like they are circumcised? I think you can agree with me that it is not okay that someone who is not circumcised physically but keeps the law will condemn the Jew who has bought the law and are circumcised but yet a lawbreaker. So let's make this clear. You are not a true Jew just because you were born as one or you were circumcised physically. A true Jew is a Jew inwardly. And it is circumcised at heart by the Holy Spirit, not by the Lord. A contrite heart, not a cut flesh, is what God desires. So that was a lot of scriptures. That was Paul talking in the book of Romans chapter 2, verse 12 to 29. My point in trying to make, the point I'm trying to make with all that scripture is that all have sinned. That's all Paul is trying to say. I don't care if you're circumcised or not. I don't care if you're a Jew or a gentle. 
You're sinful. I don't care if you have God's law or you did not have it. You sinned. If you did not have it, you'd be like, okay, maybe I do have an excuse for sinning. No, because you have a conscience and it tells you right from wrong. And most time you did the wrong thing anyway. So you don't have an excuse. All have sinned. Whether you're a Jew, a direct descendant of Abraham, or a gentle who is not a direct descendant of Abraham, all have sinned and are trapped under the power of sin. As it is written in Romans chapter 3 verse 10 to 18, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery marks their way. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of good before their eyes. So all have sinned. No one is righteous. The Lord, having the Lord does not even make one righteous. Rather, it magnifies our sinfulness and our righteousness. No one can be made righteous before God by keeping the Lord. Because no one can fully keep the Lord. For the more we know of God's laws, the clearer it is that we are not obeying them. The Lord serves only to make us see that we are sinners. It makes us ever conscious of our sins. So again, why is this significant? Why is it significant that you know that all have sinned? Because we need to know the root of it. We need to know that sin makes us unrighteous in God's sight. It drives us apart from God and withholds us from God's good plans for us. And having God's written law is not a solution. It can never restore us to God. The law cannot make us right. But God knew that. He knew that, right? So he had predestined and shown us a new way to be right with him. Even the law and the prophets before testified about this new way, as we read in Romans 1. They testified about it long ago in the Old Testament. So we can't really say it's like totally new, but it's still a new way. <laughs> so this new way to God is not achieved by being good or trying to keep his laws. This new way of righteousness is given true faith in Jesus Christ to hold who believes. This new way makes no difference between Jews and the Gentiles because all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So all are equally and freely justified by God's grace to the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Romans 31 verse 25 says, God gave Jesus as the atonement sacrifice through the shedding of his blood, which we must receive by faith. So before we even go more into talking about this new way, which if you can tell already is the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the good news. Okay, but we're going to talk about this 
much more later before we dive into what the gospel itself is because again this episode we're just talking about what is salvation and why is it important so before we talk about what the gospel is i would like to share with you a very iconic conversation that jesus had in john chapter 3 with a very significant man Usually, when we talk about salvation, many stories, scenarios, and statements in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, comes to mind. But John chapter 3, verse 1 to 21, I believe has the greatest impact. Jesus Christ himself explains salvation to us in this chapter in his conversation with Nicodemus. So we're going to read John chapter 3 together. And I will make some few commentaries as we read. All right, are you ready for this? Awesome. So John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God is not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I say unto you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So let's pause here. Jesus' response to this man was unexpected, but extremely necessary. Jesus did not give him the response he was looking forward to, but he gave him the response that he needed. Jesus told him that it was to be born again. It must be born again to see the kingdom of God. We can also say it this way. Except a man is saved, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Or unless a man is a Christian, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Or except a man is a believer of Christ Jesus, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a strict observer of the law of Moses. And Jesus is telling this man, who is supposedly a righteous man, that he must be born again to see the kingdom of God. This is a message to us too. Our obedience to the Lord, as we said earlier, does not and cannot make us righteous Neither are we going to see the kingdom of God just because we obey the law. Our self-righteousness or association or membership of a religious gathering does not guarantee that we will see the kingdom of God. The only thing that guarantees us to see and be in the kingdom of God is being born again, being saved, being a Christian, being a believer. So you must be wondering... How do I get born again? How do I get saved? Nicodemus asked the same question to Jesus. So verse 4, it says, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter into a, a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. 
the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be Nicodemus asked? Again, we're going to pause here for a while and talk about what we just read. Personally, I can relate with Nicodemus in his response to Jesus. He asked Jesus, I am, a hold, I am an old man. So how on earth am I going to be born again? Do I need to enter into my mom's womb again? I mean, this man is just being real, okay? But Jesus told him that, no, you don't need to enter into your mom's womb again because mama is flesh and blood. To be born of her again is simply to be flesh again with a dead spirit. I need you to be born of the spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus, people who were born of the spirit are submitted and led by the spirit. And people who were born of the flesh are hostile to God. They did not submit. So Nicodemus, you need to be born of the spirit. You need to be saved to enter into the kingdom of God. This shows us the salvation us being saved and born again is deeply connected to our eternal life. We can't be citizens of heaven without being saved and born again in the spirit. You see, the first time you were born, you were born of flesh and blood with a dead spirit into a spiritually dead world filled with sin. This is why you must become born of the spirit so your spirit can be alive. The new birth is required of you to be made alive in Christ. Ephesians 2, 1-6 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead. In our trespasses, you were saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. What an amazing grace, guys. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Now I say this, believers, the flesh and blood cannot, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Our flesh is perishable. It has a limited time and it cannot inherit the kingdom of good, which will last forever. So to inherit the kingdom of good, you must have something imperishable, which is your spirit. Your spirit must be awakened from its dead state in sin and made alive in Christ Jesus. So let's continue reading John 3 from verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. 
just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Again, we're going to pause here. Jesus chastised Nicodemus about his ignorance despite being a Jew, one who supposedly has the written law of God. And remember, we talked about the fact that this new way was revealed about the prophets long ago. So if Nicodemus is a Jew, an Israel teacher, he ought to have known about all these things. So Jesus chastised him. As an Israelite, as a Pharisee and a teacher, you ought to be familiar with the prophecies about Christ Jesus that was made by the heart prophets, but it isn't. Also as a teacher, he appears to seriously be lacking in understanding. So Jesus told him, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. But still, your people do not accept our testimony. Yeah, Jesus could be talking about his witness of the Father. Because John 3.13 says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. John 6.46 says the same thing. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from the Father. Only he has seen the Father. Only Jesus has seen the Father and bears the witness of what he knows and has seen about the Father. Yet many do not accept his testimony. Or Jesus could be speaking about what was going to happen as his disciples would go around witnessing the good news about his death, his burial, his resurrection. So being a witness is simply speaking about what you've heard and what you've seen. But many will still not believe, even as many as refuse to believe till today. And in verse 14, Jesus talked about that just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Just as Moses lifted up a bronze snake, on a pole in the wilderness when the Israelites were beaten by snakes because they spoke about God. And Moses desperate how he delivered them from the sla- from slavery. So the Israelites cried out to God for forgiveness and God then told Moses to create a snake and lift it up on a pole. And when the Israelites that were bitten by the snake look up to the lifted snake they were healed and they lived. You can read about this more in Numbers 21, verse 1 to 8. So the lifted snake was a shadow of the reality of Jesus being lifted up on the cross. We as sinners, we've been bitten and deceived by the snake, by the serpent, which represents the devil. We're falling short of God's glory and we are dead in sin. So for our sake... Jesus must be lifted, and he was lifted. He has already been lifted on the cross so that everyone who looks to him and believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. So Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus was using stories in the scripture, Old Testament, and shadows to explain the true realities that were going to happen to Nicodemus. This encounter of Jesus with Nicodemus was recorded in the Bible. 
for us. Because many of us have questions just like Nicodemus. Lord has been doing some talking on your heart. And we have questions about being born again. We have questions about salvation and why it is important. We're going to continue the rest of John chapter 3, which is from 16 to 21, later in this series. But again, why is salvation important? If we go based on Jesus' response to Nicodemus, salvation is important because no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can have a true and eternal relationship with God unless they are born again. And we must be born again because we are dead in sin. Our spirit is dead in sin. And a man who is not born again is dead and perishable. And the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. And what is dead cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Because he is the God of the living. Our dead spirit must be awakened and made alive in Christ Jesus. Who is the new way to be made right with God apart from the Lord. Your salvation is important for your eternal life. Everybody in this world must be born again to see the kingdom of God. So as Jesus said to Nicodemus on that day, he is saying the same to you today. Truly I tell you, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are saved, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So on the next part, guys, we're going to look at what is the gospel and subsequently how to be born again. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Stay blessed. I love you. And you are eternally loved by God. Bye-bye.